0: Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from MadSingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today I have with me Adam Sinkers. Welcome to the show, Adam.
0: Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you having me on today.
1: Awesome. Adam, not everyone in the world knows you. Who are you and what are you all about?
0: Uh, Yeah, so my name's Adam Sinkis. I am a leadership and culture consultant uh, here in Southwest Florida. Uh, But uh, my big focuses are uh, helping small businesses with small business strategy, uh, really giving them the tools that they need to build and grow. Uh, But on the same token, as they grow, uh, continuing to stay engaged with them and show their new leaders and their new structure, how they can drive that uh, still that same kind of culture that they had in their startup phase uh, to really be successful.
1: Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Oh, it's a blast. It's, every day is a new adventure.
1: I hope it's good adventures then.
0: <laughs> Usually.
1: Excellent. Adam, whenever
0: I talk to you, I always hear
1: culture, culture, culture. What's that all about?
0: Yeah, so uh, I think we're we've we've kind of changed the way we look at uh, business, right? So over the last probably seventy years, um, you know, there's always been the stigma of, you know, well I'm the boss, so we got to do it this way, right? And uh, what I find with companies is, you know, it really more so is with employees is, yeah, you'll get people that want to do the work because they need a paycheck, right? Uh, But they are only going to do that minimal amount of work just to get by, so to speak. So uh, I've really stepped up and said, you know, we got to step back and look at how leaders are really driving this culture uh, to really engage people and and make people want to come to work, make make people really uh, engaged in the tasks that they're doing and want to grow into new tasks. Because that's really what's going to set your business to propel forward. It's not, uh, you know, it's not the numbers. It's not the, uh, you know, it's, it's not even customers, right? I mean, customers is a big part of it. But uh, if you have a bunch of angry, upset employees uh, that don't want to be there, don't want to work hard for you, you're not going to get new customers here. And, and more than likely, you're going to upset a few customers that you have going down the road as well uh yep. so i really drive uh and, and talk about with leaders you know how you impact the culture of your employees because your employees are the ones that are going to make the numbers
1: yep that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense and uh, do you want to talk a little bit more like how would you go around doing that so like if you're if you're engaging a new client for example like how what, what's your process or how, how do you kind of go through with them and, and, and trying to assess, I guess, I guess you start out by trying to figure out what current culture is or how, how do you do that?
0: Yeah, so uh, a few things, right? So first we need to understand what are the, what is the objectives of the business, right? So, you know, uh, understanding, you know, what they're, what they're trying to accomplish uh, is a big piece of that because at the end of the day, uh, you know, we need to be able to tie this back to something that's tangible, something that's measurable Uh, You know, so I look at all the KPIs and and really just understand, okay, what KPIs are we targeting and how are we going to impact those with culture? Uh, And then the second piece is really driving into uh, a lot of interviewing, spending a lot of time on the front lines with the the people doing the work, uh, as well as spending time with the leadership team uh, in both interview methods as well as observational. You know, how did they... Uh, how did they respond in certain different situations that I, uh, that I was able to observe? Uh, yeah. and from there, I take and look at their culture surveys. Uh, if they haven't done one of those in a long period of time, uh, we always work on, uh, getting one of those set up as well, just to understand, you know, where do you sit? Uh, if, because you need a you need a benchmark, you need to know where you sit Um, And then the last piece is, you know, really uh, taking kind of the culmination of all of that and going, okay, so here's where our deficits are at and and how do we build that going forward. And a lot of times that comes down to uh, some really solid leadership training uh, that I developed over the last year here called ACES, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really about centered around uh, acknowledging your team. So how to communicate with your team. Uh, cultivating uh, your employees or cultivating your team, which is not only training them, but also showing uh, leaders how to effectively goal set for their team as well. Um, So getting out of the stigma that all our goals have to be whatever the company is focused on and and going back to individual goals as well. Uh, We get into empowering our team as well. Uh, So, you know, once you set them up with all these tools, let them, let them free in the world a little bit, right? So, uh, you know, empower them. And then the last piece, uh, which is just a change on an old school way of thought, right, is, is celebrate our successes or strengthen our team. Uh, so I really focus on uh, in that celebration is deep diving into our successes the same way we deep dive into failures. Uh, so we talk about learning from failure, right? We learn from failure because when we fail, We tear it apart and we go, why didn't this work? But we don't do the same thing with success. We just go, hooray, we won. And, you know, it's uh, and we leave it there. And so if we deep dive into those successes the same way, we have the same opportunities to learn and it flips the script a little bit and and tells the story of positivity, uh, which always helps lift everybody up.
1: Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's, uh, that's great. And I, I think, I mean, management training is one of my biggest pet peeves, right? I mean, you see so many people, you know, getting promoted into management positions and they're just getting left there. Like, it's like you, you, they walk home from work on, on Friday night, right. And they come in Monday and then suddenly they're supposed to be a manager. And, you know, there's so often there's no support, there's no training, there's no nothing. And, you know, it, it's such a shame to see businesses where that happens. So,
0: Oh yeah I worked in the call center industry and they are notorious for doing that uh, across the board
1: yeah I would say uh, I've worked in many industries and uh, I've I've not unfortunately not seen a lot of places be very good at it um, but I've always heard good rumors and I've I've actually worked with a couple of people from McDonald's and they're apparently good and everyone that mm-hmm. I've worked with from McDonald's uh, has been very good so uh there's definitely someone doing it right but uh but yeah definitely a big gap what's what what's typical the size of your customers and like the the people you work with
0: so i have uh really kind of two different two different sectors right so uh small business is, is one piece of it uh because i love to support small local businesses i think they're really the foundation of our economy in in anywhere you look and so I really like to give them the support that they need. I do that locally because uh, here in Southwest Florida, because I can do it for a little bit less cost, you know, uh, makes it more accessible for them. The other side of the business that I like to work with is I like to work with uh, medium, you know, typically medium to to large size businesses uh, that have a well-established leadership team. Uh, Yeah. and when i say well established i mean you know they they've got a clear chain of command uh and, and there's a clear direction of who's who's at the top down to who's at the bottom uh so a little bit beyond the small business space uh but uh they don't need to be a huge enterprise though i'm not opposed to going there either uh but sites you know sites anywhere from you know 50 to to 200 people is is kind of the space that uh that i spend a lot of time in
1: yeah. Okay. That's it was just because you you, you said sort of you walk into a company and you look at their KPIs and I'm like I see a lot of people who haven't even thought of KPIs yet. So I was just <laughs> I was just yeah. curious with the size of customers you're working with and how frequently they actually have KPIs in place when you walk in. But uh,
0: well, you know, we we walk down that path sometimes when we have to. So <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> you know, okay. sometimes that first conversation is less about how do we fix your culture and more about uh, let's start with the fundamentals of your business.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, that's why I start with a lot of customers as well, right? So it's very interesting to to see how people can how people. I mean, sometimes people manage to get very, very far in their business life without having some of this stuff. But it's it's just so interesting to see how how people grow and and so on with without a lot of the sort of fundamental stuff. So.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, that's good. That's good. What's uh, what's the biggest management challenge you ever faced yourself?
0: The biggest management challenge I ever faced myself. Uh, I would say, gosh, uh, it was probably the first leadership position that I ever took. Uh, I took over a team of 18 people. Uh, and this was a team that I had previously worked on as a, an employee and, uh, so I had a lot of friends on the team that uh, that I kept in, in very close contact with. And uh, I would say, you know, like that, that first month was like hugely educational, but also incredibly terrifying for me uh, yeah. because I'm like, now I got to step up and lead all these people that I've just been like chummy with, you know, since I've known them for, for the last four years. And so uh, that was always – to me the biggest challenge walking in was going how do i lead these people that i already have these relationships these friend relationships built with and now i have to hold them accountable and, and make sure i don't show the biases and all, you know all that stuff that comes with you know being in so called the friend zone right and and yep. uh and i think you know being a young leader being a new leader at that point you know is even more uh, more stressful to me because I didn't, you know, like you pointed out, I didn't have that toolbox already built. Uh, I was still learning that toolbox. I was still building that toolbox. I've been to a couple of leadership uh, trainings and conferences and, and you know, it, the, the information is always great in those things. The What always lacks in them though is the real world application. When you get back and you actually have to do it. And and so I learned, I learned more in that first month from falling flat on my face than, than I did in any of those leadership conferences before that. Uh, Just by, just by simply, you know, going, well, that meeting went terribly. (laughs) I didn't get anything across that I needed to. And I know what not to do the next time.
1: Yep. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I, I kind of had a little bit different experience myself. So I, I kind of, uh, I, I was promoted also internally first, but I, I'd spent a lot of time learning all the theory and you know doing also some some management training and stuff. But but I had so much theory in my head. And basically, what happened was every time I made a mistake, I I realized sort of after the event that you know here I screwed up, and I knew exactly why I screwed up because I knew the theory of what you're supposed to do. But mm-hmm. it, it was kind of weird looking at myself a lot of the time because I just ended not like, oh yeah. That was, yeah. you were supposed to do this thing instead of that thing and so on. So that was, yeah, that was interesting.
0: I had a, I had an old uh, old EMS teacher when I got my, took my basic EMT course. He said, there's uh, there's three ways to do everything. Uh, he said, you know, there's the book way, there's your boss's way, and then there's the real world application of it. And he said, what you'll find is all three of those things are going to be very different.
1: Yep, yeah. totally, totally. That's, that's good. and I I really, I mean, again, that's how most people bump into management and how most people start. Right. So yep. that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I love being able to change that environment for people. What, uh, what made you uh, actually interested in management in the first place?
0: Uh, so, you know, I'm one of those weird people. Like I just, I'm never content where, where I'm sitting at. Right. So, uh, you know, for me as, a, as an employee, I was you know sitting there going, all right, this is cool. I've done this for the last six months. I've gained everything that I'm gonna gain out of it because I haven't figured out anything new in, in a month or two. So what's the next step, right? And I, and I just kept on that mindset of what's the next step? How do I grow? How do I grow? How do I grow? Um, I got into a uh, quality position uh, where I had to build out a call quality program for uh, for a few platforms that we were supporting in the call center uh, company yeah. that I worked for. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just kind of got the bug there because I was like, I wasn't totally a manager, but I definitely was managing uh, the full end of a process. Uh, yeah. And so once I once I started down that path, it was like, cool, this is, this is what I want to do. And and then I, you know, looking back after kind of I, that I had that realization and going, gosh, there was just a lot of really terrible leadership that I've experienced based on what I know now. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and so that's really what got me interested in it was I, you know, I want to change the world in leadership and uh, change the way we're thinking about leadership and, so that was kind of the start of that journey, though you know the full full clarity of that journey. I I joke with everybody all the time, saying you know I fin- finally in twenty nineteen I figured out what I'm gonna do when I grow up. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, so uh, you know this this last probably six months has been the full fruition of. of of what I want to do with it and where I want to go with it. And it's it's realizing that I don't necessarily want to be a leader unless I'm, you know, leading a company. Uh, It's more so that I want to teach leaders the right way to approach leadership so that they can be successful. Because I I just truly uh, love watching people grow and And build their opportunities and their experiences
1: awesome yeah we sound we sound very very similar (laughs) i think both our sort of history and and how we think sounds very similar so that's cool what uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, you were managing some friends and so on how 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 did you feel about that like you said it was a bit awkward and so on but how how do you feel about that now because i i keep getting that question from from people uh, that i work with like sort of clients of different kinds that are always asking like, Oh, you know, I have this guy, I know him really well. And you know, what should I do? Should I pretend like we aren't friends anymore? And like all that sort of stuff. How, how, how do you look at that today when when you get a bit away from it and have some experience? What's, what's your take on it?
0: Uh, So my take is that you can't, you can't discount the relationship, right? You know, at the end of the day, I created the friendship. I'm not going to just abandon a, a friendship, Uh, you know, I think a lot of what we do in the professional world is so that we can enjoy our personal life. And so, uh, you know, I I always talk to leaders about this and and, and the conversation is really about how do we set the precedent that they're no different when they're at work, they're no different than anybody else that you're not friends with. And, And really what that comes down to it is two kind of key areas that I focus on. One is uh, objective reviews of their performance, right? So, you know, just like I would objectively review somebody that I'm not friends with, I need to take that same stringent, this is exactly what they're doing and does it line up with what I need to be uh, need to have done? Yeah. Uh, and as long as I can answer yes to that, then great. The second thing I focus on is uh, making sure that as I communicate that I don't show any bias or focus on those people that I'm friends with in the workplace, right? Once we're all off the clock, fine, whatever, you know, take it, take it where you want to go with it. But uh, when we're in the workplace, it's, you know, it's strictly, I'm going to have the same conversations with them that I would have with uh, somebody that I just hired uh, a month ago versus somebody that's you know that I've never directly worked with up until this point. I'm constantly just making sure I'm I'm fair and consistent uh, with the amount of attention, in conversation and relationship building that I would give that person versus somebody else.
1: Yeah yeah and I was I mean personally I nearly go in the other in the other end right like I, I always say that when I know people really well I tend to just have even higher expectations to them right mm-hmm. um, and, and I think most of my friends that have worked with me haven't definitely haven't felt that easy right but I think I, I think well, I've I've definitely managed a lot of people that really struggle, like particularly if they had to be very critical with with friends and stuff, right? And yep. what what I've always said is that yes. you you need to first of all figure out with yourself who you are, right? Like mm-hmm. because I I totally get that some people is super uncomfortable doing that and and in end of the day don't want to do it, uh, yep. and I I totally feel if I totally agree if that's your type of person if you if you don't want to do that, then you definitely need to keep some kind of distance to the people in your team. Right. Yep. But else, as you said, if, if, if you do feel that you have the capability to, to manage it well, then you like go ahead. But the one thing I always tell people is expect that if you ever have to fire someone that you lose to friendship. Right. Because mm-hmm. I've seen that I, I haven't experienced that personally. I've let go of a few people that are still, you know, stay in contact with and so on. But uh, I've definitely seen both a lot of clients and a lot of my friends and so on having had to let go of people and, you know, often hired some friend into the company and then having to let go because they're not doing good enough. And uh, I've seen so many times that that relationship finishes, right? And I, I always tell people, like, that can happen. And if you need to make the decision, make it anyway, right? don't not make the decision because you're, you know, you're afraid of the relationship, then you're, you're not being a, a good manager. Right.
0: No, that's, that's exactly right. I, as I've gotten into leadership and, and, and growing into more senior leadership positions uh, I figured out that uh, I, I, actually, I stopped, you know, so many companies give the bonus for if you, you know, recommend somebody and they hire them and stay for X period of time. I actually stopped doing that because I didn't want to put myself in a position where I'd have to fire somebody that I personally brought into the company, right? And so, uh, I think if you're if you're a line level person, those programs are great for a little incentive to uh, help grow the company. But you know, as you get into leadership, you you need to be so cautious in that space because uh, one, you know, anybody you bring in, I, I feel firmly reflects on your abilities and in, in your uh and what yeah. you bring to the table and two uh if they are a friend and you do have to fire them um you know i i don't want to lose that relationship over a job
1: yeah totally agree that, that totally makes sense so what's any any other sort of Challenging business situations. So not necessarily your biggest personal challenge, but but biggest challenge from a, a business perspective that you've had in in your business career.
0: Uh, yeah. So I think uh, one of the biggest challenges I see very very consistently is uh, that businesses at the fundamental level don't understand what it takes for them to operate. Uh, you know, both financially and uh, people-wise from a, a day-to-day perspective. Um, you know, I think as you get into large enterprises, there's, they're, they're using a lot of software and a lot of pieces to manage that. But when you're talking the small to medium-sized businesses, um, I think the visibility, it, at least in my experience, the visibility in that space is greatly reduced. And so one of my favorite questions to, to ask as I engage with a new business, is if we stopped doing all client work tomorrow, how much would tomorrow cost you? And very rarely do I actually get an answer. And usually when I get an answer, it's about 40% lower than what it actually costs them once we go down that path. But uh, but I, I, I see this struggle so often with just this lack of understanding of the fundamental uh, business piece of what does it cost me to operate if I do no work what does that cost yeah. and so uh, you know so it, I think that's a very foundational information but I think it's overlooked uh, just just too often and uh, and we need to we need to be aware of that because you need to know at any given time what how long how long can you afford to stay in business without doing work
1: Yeah. How long a lifeline do you have? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. No, oh, That makes a, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. What's a, so from your personal level, right? This is one of the, the tough questions for me, but what, what's personally your biggest weakness from a management standpoint?
0: Uh, so my biggest weakness is, is by far, actually just, uh, just did a big assessment on, on myself to, to really tie some of the stuff together. But I would say, uh, openly showing empathy is, is probably one of my biggest weaknesses. It's something I really have to force myself to do. And what I find a lot of times is uh, when I, when I go push that empathy, uh, not that it sounds fake or not that it is fake because it's definitely not fake. Um, Cause that's not a space I play in. But uh, what I find is that I lose interest in their side of the story very quickly. And then, you know, and so uh it's something that I'm working on uh you know, working on, on building myself and and I've made some really good strides over the last year or so here in, in pushing that. But uh but you know it's that's probably my biggest individual challenge uh right now. Uh and and I think that will impact a lot of other smaller challenges that I have as well once I start to really grasp that.
1: Yep. I can only say that uh, the more we talk, the more and more we sound alike. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm—I uh, mean, I've found myself so often, you know, having someone in a one-to-one conversation, and you know, they're telling me something sad, and you know, I'm kind of sitting thinking, okay, so what am I going to do after this meeting? And you know, <laughs> and I, I, I've found myself like—I can definitely talk in a way that makes people feel that I'm interested and that I care, but uh, sometimes I feel like just a horrible human being because reality is I, very often, I, it's not that I don't care, but it's, how do you say that? It, it's difficult to, like very often people can get upset about things that, in from my perspective, is small, tiny stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and particularly when that's the case, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, you'll survive kind of thing, whatever. Uh, and, and that's obviously a horrible <laughs> way to look at the world, but uh, I, I totally, totally get where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, no, that's always interesting. For me, like the most awkward, like one on one conversations is is the crying employee. Like I, I struggle so hard with that because I'm like, I know I need to be compassionate here. But yeah. why are we sitting here like sobbing about this at work?
1: Yeah, that's uh totally. Totally. Okay. That's good. What um I mean one one of the things that that a lot of my my clients struggle a lot with is sort of onboarding new staff when they get them. What sort of your magical tips and tricks and so on for onboarding uh, new new staff members? Uh,
0: so onboarding, I think, is such a critical time in a new employee's uh, journey, and in just any employee's journey, new, old, whatever. Um, when you're onboarding, I think there, I think the first, you know, first really key to success is, uh, you know, it's before before they actually step foot in the company officially. It's the uh, how is your communication in getting them the critical documents as they move into that role? How was your communication about what to expect on day one? Uh, in, in really building that solid foundation of communication of, of what to expect in those sort of, I, I would say really honestly, the first five days of their new career or their new position. Um, because I think that sets a really solid foundation for them to go, cool. They know what's up. They know what they expect of me. And I know where I'm starting. I, you know, what path I'm starting down. Yeah. Uh, once we get into those first couple of days, uh, I think training is uh, absolutely critical. We, we have so many businesses that are focused on, cool, I finally hired this new position that I, that I've been looking for and, uh, and now go right and the and there's no
1: output output output
0: (laughs) yep go fix it go do it you know and you're like but how right you know so so i think the next piece is is really big is uh appropriate and in in connected training to what you're doing uh and when i say connected it's you know we we hear about training for new employees and it's you know, the HR presentation and welcome to the company and, and things like that, and then it's go, uh, and then it's kind of go off to your desk and hear some SOPs and some stuff, especially as you get into more senior leadership positions, you know, the, there's less and less, sort of speak, training that goes with that. Uh, and, and so I think it's really critical that you spend some time on some of the core foundational training for the company, uh, based around the programs that you're going to be involved with uh, the uh, even some of the, you know, people training, right. You know, I, I think, you know, leadership training, or even if it's a truncated four hour, you know, here's what we, here's what we expect of our leaders. Like, I think that's huge, you know, and just building that solid foundation and then uh, making sure that you have set up in that first week uh, with your, Uh, downline new hires or your, your new employees uh, as a leader of those new employees, making sure you have defined checkpoints set up with them. Uh, You know, so at seven days, uh, you know, or 10 days, you know, 15 days, 30 days, uh, 45 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever makes sense for you and that new employee. Uh, But you need to have a defined path and, set some goals and expectations that are associated with that divine path. So at, you know, after your first five days, here's what I expect and this is what we're going to talk about at 10 days. uh, Here's what I expect. And this is what we're going to talk about at 30 days, you know, and and really building out that path. Um, I think that just that in itself, um, you know, really sets the stage for what what a new employee can expect and, really sets the stage for building the culture within your company as well.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: so often, you know, not even leadership training, just new employees, uh, you know, have watched, uh, walked in and watched day one of training classes. And it's like, they jump in and they're like, Hey, okay, welcome to the company. Great to have you here. All right. So this is what we're doing. And they're like hard into, you know, into teaching them the job, like day one, huh. like yeah. by, by noon, day one. You know, so it's like uh, and what I see is those companies typically have high attrition in the first 30 to 30 to 90 days as well, because companies just feel like they've been or uh, employees feel like they just really, you know, been put through the ringer. All right, here we go. And we're gone, you know, and and no matter, you know, no more do we matter because we got pushed out of training in five days and we're just expected to run.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean one of the, when I work corporate, one of the, one of the one of the big things that I would always do when when people started would actually bring them around and say hello to like the receptionist and make mm-hmm. sure the receptionist know them, make sure they know the like the bin man and the HR people and like just actually introducing people and say, oh, this is Bob, he's new, he's working in this place, and so on, like just so they feel they actually know some people also yeah. not just in the team but around the company you know because like what what inevitably happen is within the first week or so or two weeks or so very often you know someone forget their badge or someone you know they have a problem with parking or whatever and you know when they actually have that little soft introduction in the beginning to someone in reception or whatever, it makes them so much more confident And it, the receptionist know them and like, Oh yeah, Bob, you're, you're new. I remember I saw you two days ago and it just, it really makes so many things so much easier. Right. And it, it really builds relationship in a very, very different way.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's super key. I love the, the introduction piece, you know, outside of the team. Uh, yeah. I, I always take, day one, day one should be your fluff and love day, I call it. Right. And so when I design, when I've designed training programs, uh, you know, in the past, you know, day one is, is welcome to the company. It's introductions to key people. So, um, you know, like the call center world and the BPO world, it would be, you know, introductions to the operations managers, as well as the site director, uh, and any key leader other leaders in the organization always make sure that they stop by on that day one and and just put a face and a name out there so that you know everybody knows who they are you know and then uh you know and then it's you know talk about talk about the company talk about uh you know a little bit about what we're doing you know bring that uh that job description to life a little bit yep. um and then uh you know. And then towards the end of day one, depending on you know, depending on, on the nature of the position, um, you know, it's it's maybe doing some job shadowing. It's maybe having some critical conversations about different pieces that they uh, that they may encounter that are you know like soft skills type stuff. You know, um, yep. in customer service, uh, in customer service groups, I, I always do a, a, a about an hour discussion on what is exceptional customer service, right? And and it's something that you don't have to have any prior knowledge to go down that path with, but, uh, you know, but it always turns out to be a very, very beneficial conversation that leads into the rest of the customer service training and, and the rest of the training that goes on later in that week.
1: Yep, yeah, I like it, I like it. That's awesome. That's awesome. What about the other big pain point that a lot of clients have, which is delegation? How are you handling delegation?
0: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, a delegation is, it's such a challenging space, right? Because as leaders, we want to go, we know best and we know how to solve this. So I'm just going to do it. And so I always, uh, I take this back to my leadership model, because that's a big part of, of the empower pieces of my leadership model, is empowering your team to, uh, to be successful. And the first question I always ask leaders uh, when I talk about this is, uh, and it sounds hilarious, but it's really, it, it's really this basic is, did anyone die? And it always gets a big chuckle around the room and everybody's like, what do you mean? Did anybody die? I said the last time you delegated something to somebody, did anybody die? And No. Well, exactly. You know, nobody is dying over the decisions we're making in business, you know? And and so once we get past that, that starts to build this mindset that it's okay to let your team make mistakes Uh, and and that's where I think a lot of leaders struggle is because they're like, I want my team to be perfect and therefore I know I can do it in a perfect way or as close to a perfect way as I possibly can. Uh, and so instead of delegating out those tasks, they, uh, they're just, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and do this myself and that's what it's going to be. You know, yep. so, uh, so, so I start with, you know, just the simple, did anyone die and just making them realize that none of the decisions we make in business are that critical. And if they are that critical, yes, you definitely should involve somebody else with them. But at the end of the day, that should be a conversation between you and that employee to teach them how to make that decision the right way. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, obviously if you're working as a doctor in a hospital, things might be slightly different, right?
0: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But even at that, right, you have a medical team, you know, in those situations you have a medical team, right? So what are they doing? They're all talking about what is the best course of action. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, that's, that's really what it's about is setting up that chain of communication and teaching your team how to make effective decisions uh you know so and that stems from uh teaching uh teaching the basics of risk analysis right so understanding what a risk costs you know both time effort energy uh dollars if that's you know in play as well um and then uh you know and then understanding what is what is the potential gain out of that situation as well so you know, just very basic risk analysis steps, but uh, but at the end of the day, if we can teach our teams how to do that, then they don't have to get up and ask us. You know, should I go ahead and process this file forward? I'm not sure. It's kind of sitting in a gray area. They know yep. how to critically make that step, and so what happens is you start to see an improve, uh, you see an an improvement in the overall production of the team because they're spending less time trying to chase you down to ask you all these questions. Now they're feeling more empowered to make those uh, decisions and and just really get the work done. And so the other key to that is appropriate follow-up, right? So if you know that somebody's made several right decisions, it's time to go call that out. This goes into the strengthening portion of the ACEs, right? And, And call out and go, hey, you've been doing a really great job, you know, leading these tasks and, and making the right decisions on them. You know, just wanted to say thank you for that. Yeah. And um, when you encourage that behavior, now they start to make more right decisions. Uh, likewise, you know, if they do have missteps, which is definitely going to happen, uh, you know, we need to step back and have that conversation and, and kind of do a, a postmortem approach to it and go, you know, So you made this decision and here was the impact. Why did you make that decision that way? Uh, what could you have done better? What could I have done better as yep. a leader to help you make that decision more effectively? Yep. And, and I think that third question is so critical in that conversation.
1: Yeah, that's uh, very, very few leaders ask that question. <laughs>
0: You know, But it, it, it steps back and says, hey, I'm in it to see you be successful. And that's really, at the end of the day, that's what a leader's all about, is making their team successful.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. That was a, that was a really, really great conversation. Adam. Just uh, before we finish up here, any awesome sort of tips, tricks, uh, resources, or the likes that you really want to recommend people?
0: Uh, yeah, so tips, tricks, the easiest thing you can do to make a connection with your team is walk around every day and say good morning and thank you. Uh, you know, that in itself opens up the bridge of communication and, and really will change the way your team views you. And then the second piece to that is is get out from behind your desk. Uh, whatever you can do to be out with your team, supporting your team on the floor and what they're doing uh, is going to make you just that much more successful with your team and building those relationships. So, uh, those are my big, big tip takeaways. Uh, look for, I got a book. Wait a
1: minute. Did you just say we had to talk to our team? Yeah. Like that, that sounds very frightening. (laughs) (laughs) No, good. Circle so, the interruption <laughs>
0: no problem, yeah no i talking to your team is is, is critical and, and just by saying thank you and good morning and you know have a great evening like all those kind of things that we take is is being very nominal if you start to do those on a regular basis really builds a foundation uh, so that when they have something more critical to come talk to you about, uh, it's less intimidating for them so that's that's where I always encourage those those simple things, yep. uh, and, and it changes the way the way your team approaches you. So, uh, but uh, yeah. So later on this year, uh, I have a book coming out. Uh, working title is How to Build Aces in Your Organization, but it is a full flush out book on my Aces Leadership Model uh, that is focused around leadership and culture. Yep. Uh, you know, so that's, that's kind of my, uh, I'll, I definitely will keep you informed as to when that comes out. I'll be putting that out everywhere that I can possibly get it out. Um, uh, but awesome. uh, building the foundation to, to start, uh, start my climb up the ladder to be the, the next John Maxwell or Simon Sinek. So, Awesome. Uh, Those—that's probably my big takeaway, though—is just you know, open up that communication. Look out for my book because that'll have all kinds of great tips like that and, and more in it. As uh, as you learn and go down your path as a as a leader.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much for your time today, Adam. It was awesome talking to you.
0: I appreciate you having me on, and uh, you know, it's always always great to share this information uh, with uh, with people that are looking to engage.
1: If people want to get hold of you, what's the best way of doing that?
0: Uh, best way is send me a message on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. That's, uh, I, I'm on there probably, at least according to my wife, maybe a little too much. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the way we grow things these days. So that is probably by far the best way. And then uh, I'm also on Twitter as well, uh, at Adam Sinkis. Uh, yep. And so those are probably, I would say, probably the two best ways to, to see my content and get in, get a hold of me.
1: Perfect. Perfect, Adam. I'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, thank you very much for joining and have a great day.
0: Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.